Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, from wherever you're listening. Um, my name is Daniel, and welcome to our podcast. And in this podcast, we look at the true and tall tales of addiction. We get to hear stories of people who have struggled with all sorts of addiction, um, how they eventually got to rock bottom, um, the challenges they face while trying to stay clean, to being proud of who they are today. So today in studio, we are quite fortunate to have with us um, a VIP, if I may call her that. Um, she's the vice chair of NACADA, but I'll let her introduce herself. Her name is Anne Mathu. She's a champion of recovery and somebody who totally inspires many people out there who are facing addiction. And in this case, I believe it's alcoholism. Anne Mathu, how are you? Fine, thank you. Karibu sana to our podcast. Asante. Yeah, so maybe you could introduce yourself so the audience can know a little bit about you. Okay, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, everybody. My name is Anjeri Mathu. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I've uh, been sober for the last 18 years. This is my 19th year. I'm very passionate about the campaign against alcohol and drug abuse. Uh, just uh, on 24th of February, I was appointed as NACADA board member on on... Yeah, on uh, International Women's Day, I was elected as the vice chair NACADA. And uh, I'm happy to be here because uh, basically I love giving people hope through my recovery journey. It was not easy, it is not easy, but it's doable. Yeah. I've even written a book about my life in addiction. And I believe uh, I'll do another one soon about challenges in recovery. Because the fact that we stop drinking doesn't mean the challenges go. Yeah. St they're still there, but then we learn how to deal with them. Fantastic. Thank you, Anne, so much. Um, what's the name of your book so the audience can... Uh, Sober Again. Sober Again. Yeah, you can get it online, Amazon. Okay. Uh, you can also get it at Textbook Center, any of the Textbook Center uh, bookshops. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, and also you can, tr you can get it at the Jomo Kenyatta Foundation office on Kijabi Street. Ah, okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. So before we get into uh, that discussion of so being sober again and your journey, quick one, just to to understand you a bit more. So what did you do last night? <laughs> what do you do every evening to unwind? So like, for example, what did you do last night? Mm, play with my granddaughter. Okay. Watch TV. Oh, okay. Uh, I read a lot of books uh, in regards to women in recovery. Mm. Yeah, because that's where the biggest stigma lies. Okay. And we have to really destigmatize addiction for us okay. to be able to help as many people as possible. Fantastic. Again, I get a lot of calls. Mm -hmm. At times I feel like putting off my phone. And then I, <laughs> again, I say I might put off my phone when someone so is in a crisis. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, that's unmuthal. All right. So you're a grandmother. Yeah, I am a grandmother. Fantastic. And a mother of three. Uh, absolutely. Mm. Great. So moving on um, to why we are here, um, how you said you mentioned how long have you been sober up to this very day? How many years of sobriety do you have? 18 and uh, six months. 18 and six months. Mm -hmm. And how many years of addiction did, do you remember? How many years were you stuck? in? Over that 20. Day? Over 20 years. Mm -hmm. Great. So let's get into that 20 years. Mm. Um, maybe tell us about your journey, um, how you got into it, 
when you found out that or when you realized that it truly is an addiction maybe give us a bit of insight on that you can go a bit back and let us know um uh, i started off uh by my dad with alcohol when I was about 10 years old. My father was a functional alcoholic uh, working in Thika Municipal Council. So he started giving us a sip of Muratina, which was considered a harmless African brew. And um, my brothers and I slowly started now looking forward to weekends because my dad used to have a lot of Muratina in the house. So alcohol was readily available. <coughs> and then... Uh, Early exposure was also a contributing factor. And then I'm genetically predisposed because when we go four generations back, yeah. then we have traces of addiction until my great-great-grandfather. So on my father's side, on my paternal side. Okay. On my maternal side, we only traced addiction, only one generation, that is uh, three of my mom's uncles have died. But uh, with generations before then, no traces of addiction. Okay. So most probably it must have jumped two or three generations and caught up with a third or a fourth. Wow, you've, you've said something quite key, um, genetic predisposition. So that's mm. what, that's one of the reasons people become alcoholics. Oh yes, 60%. 60 percent. 60% of the people with a drinking problem mm. are genetically predisposed. Okay. Yes. And um, the 40 percent? 40% is uh, maybe uh, um, environmental, social, okay. psychological, mm. for people who've been through trauma, trauma, childhood, trauma. Yeah, childhood trauma, and then dysfunctional families, mm. availability mm. of uh, drugs, uh, acceptability, accessibility, affordability, all that. They are the contributing factors. For example, if a person is being brought up in a, in a place where... Changa is brewed everywhere. Yeah. Changa is readily available. Mm. Everybody is drinking, and it's acceptable within that community. Mm. So the, the, that child will surely get introduced to drinking yeah. because it's it's quite uh, it's a, it's the part of the society that he lives in. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned like for you, Muratina was um, a, a normal drink. It, it was. It was a normal drink actually. Mm. Uh, uh, why it was considered even harmless is because the, uh, it was actually medicinal okay. for someone with, uh, was it smallpox or chickenpox? So mm, really? they would be given a sip of muratina, you'd uh. be washed with muratina, <laughs> and the itching would go. Interesting. Mm. That's, that's an interesting. Okay, so let's, let's, let's dive a bit more deeper into, um, you've mentioned your dad introduced you mm -hmm. to this. Um, what happened? Is your dad alive? No, my dad passed on uh, when I was in Form 1 in okay. 1977 in a road accident okay. after drinking the whole night. Mm. And so instead of going home, he decided to travel to my village to okay. see my grandmother. Mm. So he never got there. So he was involved in a road accident and uh, died at Kenyatta National Hospital. So after that yeah. uh, is when um, went by when I went back to school, yeah. and actually uh, people tend to think that uh, children are not affected when a parent dies, mm. because um, I believe that's one of the reasons as to why maybe my drinking even got worse, okay. because the yes. moment my dad was buried, the following day I was taken to school, mm. no loss and grief counselling, I wasn't given time to process, okay. and my dad, I was very close to my dad, yeah. and uh, when I went back to school after some time. I, I actually became a very rebellious student okay. and started sneaking alcohol and cigarettes into school. Okay. Because by the time I went to Form 1, I was smoking. Yes. Uh, I was introduced to smoking by my dad. Okay. So uh, all along, I never saw anything wrong with drinking and smoking. And um, mm. 
I introduced other girls to drinking, and that affected my education. So uh, I was not able to join Form 5 and 6 because I, I flopped my exams in Form 4. So, um, so you were daddy's girl? Yes, I was a daddy's girl. You were a daddy's girl. Mm -hmm. And um, so basically, through his death, that brought some trauma, which it um, did. heavily um, interfered with your studies mm -hmm. in high school. Mm. And you mentioned you became rebellious. Yes. Okay, so how was your use? How Maybe you can talk about how was the usage in, um, in, in high school. Do you think you had some... Um, were you drinking to rebel or were you drinking because you were addicted? I was drinking to be different. Okay. I was drinking because I didn't want to do what everybody else did. Okay. I was drinking. I wanted to be different because that's what my dad felt made me feel when he was alive. Okay. So like when everybody else was being left at home, my dad would carry me with him. So he always made me feel special. Okay. He also always made me feel different, and I wanted to be different even in school. Mm. And I I felt that nobody understood my pain. Mm. I felt that uh, even the school management nobody you know really uh, understood what I was going through. Okay. And so I just did, decided to do my own thing. Okay. Although drinking was not an everyday thing in school, yes. but uh, we used to do it over the weekend, the weekend at yeah. times sneak out of school, mm. bring alcohol into school. Yes. Um, and uh, after uh, flopping my exams, I joined uh, Kenya Poly. Okay. Enrolled for a diploma course in IM, catering and housekeeping. Okay. And uh, I was a government-sponsored student. We used to get a boom of 500 shillings. That was in... 1980, 80. 81, 82, 83. Okay. It was a lot of money. A lot of money uh, beer yeah. was going for 3 shillings and 50 cents. So okay. I had a lot of money, um, a lot of freedom. So from... At a very tender age. Okay. So we... The drinking that was done in high school was not yet um, a problem. It was, it was not yet a problem. Not yet a problem. Yeah, but... Yeah. Uh, um, like we know addiction is progressive, so yes. with every little drink that uh, you take, we don't become any better. So by the time I got to, to, to college to now, college, yes. yeah, it became it became fun because, like I said, about availability and affordability. Yes. And then the girls that, uh, and also the company that mm -hmm. I was in, it was yeah. just about drinking, okay. um, smoking, clubbing and partying. Okay. In fact, even when I was coming here, I passed by a club I used to frequent, Grovna. 1980. Yeah, yeah. Club still yeah. functioning. No, it's not functioning. It was okay. closed down. In oh. fact, I said, oh, this, I used to visit oh, frequently. The, the premises this. is still Yeah, there. yeah. Okay. Yeah, but now it's used for something else. Something else. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just, I was just a party girl. And uh, mm. in 1982 is when I enrolled for Miss Kenya. Okay. Beauty contest. And right. I, I, I came second. Well, well, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. But addiction doesn't know beauty. Addiction yeah. cuts across the board. Mm -hmm. So uh, I got a contract to model okay. for African heritage. So that's more money mm -hmm. on top of the boom that I was getting. And then again, I started now being a, a beauty queen. Now again, I changed friends. Mm -hmm. High-end people now will start, yes. you know, um, make, uh, you know, coming your way. Yeah. Uh, changed clubs. No, you can't go to funny, funny <laughs> clubs in River Road. So yes. now it's about ah, 680, yeah. about yes. Hilton, yes. about uh, International Casino. And um, what, what we call the soft life. Yes. Nowadays. And actually, and change the brands. Of course. Now this time it's not Tasca, this time it's Maya's Ram. 
Gin and tonic, yes. vodka and lime on the rocks. Okay. You know, change the brand of cigarettes, three, yeah. five, uh, more uh-huh. cigar. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, life was just basically good and easy. Okay. Until, again, I flopped my, I flopped my exams in, in college. So, so let's talk about that part for a bit, um, about that good life you experienced. So at that point, um, was your drinking responsible? Do you have instances where you, you noticed that I, I'm having a challenge with alcohol or it was still just normal, like it was just party life? For me, it was just party life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, I was still trying to escape from some kind of reality. I think about my dad's death. Yes. It, it took it took a while uh, for me to old. yeah to actually uh, you know uh, get to the acceptance stage and yeah. I kept on I kept on escaping. Escaping, yes. Yeah, yeah. until now uh, since I was a government sponsored student I had to work for the government mm. and when I lost the first job is when I realized now things are getting out of hand mm. because uh, uh uh, I left college when I was pregnant, and then my boyfriend abandoned me. Okay. I was still very young, so I became a new mother okay. in a in a new town. Mm-hmm. That was in Nanyuki. Okay. And my boyfriend has abandoned me, mm-hmm. and I started now. I became a closet drinker. So I used to get my alcohol from uh, like EPA base. I knew some officers there, and so I used to keep a lot of alcohol in the house. I, I became a closet drinker. So what I would do every every free time. Because I was housed within the school compound. Okay. So what I would do, anytime I get a break of about 30 minutes, I'd rush to the house and drink. Mm. So I stayed drinking while I'm duty. I fell out with the management because of coming late. Okay. And um, I got another job here in Nairobi. I worked at Panafric Hotel. Okay. Now this is when my drinking real got real bad because now I had to drink to function. You had some uh, dependency. Yeah, I had to drink in the morning because of the withdrawals. withdrawals yes. The shakes started setting in. And uh, again, three years down the line, I lost that job. Three years down the line? Yeah. Okay. Was this a government job as well? No, no, this one's not government. Okay, it was government. Uh, yeah, okay. this was the, it was uh, the hotel, hotel, hotel industry. Okay. And uh, actually, uh, they didn't suck me. They gave me an option of going to either Kilaguni Safari Lodge or Kirichoti Hotel. Okay. So I opted to go to Kirichoti Hotel because I'd been there before. Yeah. And I knew there was a bar next mm-hmm. to tea hotel mm-hmm. where I could drink in the morning and come to work. Yes. Because, like I said, I couldn't function without, without alcohol. alcohol. Yeah. So I, I opted to go to tea hotel, and uh, that is when now my downward spiral really took a toll on me. And this time, you, all this, your, your daughter now was three years old. You had said, you'd mentioned that you had gotten a child. Yeah, in okay. 1983. 83. I went to Kericho in 1986. Okay. And All right. So, at what point did you lose the job? No, I, I, uh, in Kericho. Yes, because uh-huh. you had mentioned that they gave you an option. Yeah, that was 83 to 86. 86. I was in Moikweta Girls. Okay. From 86 up to 90. Mm-hmm. No, from 86 up to about 89, I was in Panafric. Okay. And then... I went to Kiricho Tea Hotel. Okay. So Kiricho Tea Hotel is when now my drinking now became bad. Okay. I went into a relationship with a person who had separated with the wife. I okay. got pregnant again. The okay. guy abandoned me now. Mm. Went back to the wife. Yes. And um, 
this is the second time now, you know, that my f- I lost a dad. Yeah. Uh, my first boyfriend abandoned me. Yes. So this is another one. So it was basically about losses, losses. Losses, yeah. Before I process this one, another one c- happens. And I, I don't blame anybody. My drinking was bad, and I don't think anybody could stand my drinking. And you also had that... You still had that wound from losing your dad. And yeah. I, f- I feel you you, mm. m- you might have still been looking for some attachment. For, for, yeah, for some attachment. And uh, it didn't work. I ended up in very toxic and abusive relationships. And this made my drinking even worse. Okay. Maybe, um, are there instances you'd want to recall um, for the sake of the audience to understand? Um, you know, because here I feel like we're talking about two things. We're talking about wounds, father mm-hmm. wounds, and mm-hmm. we're also talking about addiction mm-hmm. combined mm-hmm. and some of the choices it can make you. Um, are there any instances you remember when you talk about, when you mention toxic relationships? Um, are there instances that you remember that right now you can say that was toxic? I don't even know why I was there. Yeah, yeah. you see, when a person starts I- abusing you emotionally, yeah. uh, psychologically, mm. it takes a toll on you. Okay. Because why would somebody, you know, b- give you so much hope of being together? Mm. Then all of a sudden, abandons you, go bas- goes back to, <laughs> to his vast fi- wife, and here yeah. you are, eight months pregnant. Yes. And he says he has nothing to do with you. But luckily, mm. his wife was a kikuyu like me, mm. and uh, his children, her children knew me. Mm. And so the, the children told the mom, mom, you're back, but we have another mother. Okay. So she came looking for me and she said, listen, I know you're PG, my children love you, so I'm not here to fight you, I'm here mm. to help you. Wow. And that was a wonderful lady who worked with me for the remainder of my pregnancy, paid for my hospital bill when I got the baby, got a house girl for me. Wow. Unfortunately, she later died in a road accident with three of her sisters. Oh, no. So, no. But again, mm. when I became stable a bit, I took the children. Really? Yeah, because now the father, yeah. this man still abandoned the children and married another woman. Another woman. So the, uh, someone told me that these children don't go to school. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I, 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 I stepped in for them. Wow, it's, it's interesting. That's, that's a very touching story to hear that this lady had compassion on yeah. you. Mm. So uh, when she died, I, I didn't let her children suffer. Fantastic. Mm. Wow, so, um, so moving on... Um, so let's continue about the, the addiction. Um, t- until what point did you start feeling like, what more did this do to you for you to be concerned or for you to actually make that turning point which you, you eventually did? Um, I've, I've been able to, um, I went through uh, one of your stories and I saw you had opportunities to leave the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you went was it to Germany? Yeah, because when I left uh, Kiricho, I went. I came back to Thika, mm. and then I met a doctor who was a who was also an alcoholic. Okay. And then apparently we lived together for five years. Mm. Then he just woke up one day, collapsed in the house, and died. And so wow, this is another loss. Yeah, this so. is another loss. And so now his family was on my case saying, oh, the I'm the one co- who caused his, his uh, death. And they actually threw me out. I didn't have, they took everything from me. They didn't allow me to view the body. They didn't allow me to go for the burial. Mm. That's another unprocessed loss. Mm. And uh, that's when a friend of mine came from Germany and she found me now really uh, 
in a very sorry state because this time round I was taking second hand uh, second uh, generation, generation alcohol. alcohol yeah, yeah. so um, she invited me to Germany she talked to my family and said no I'll, I'll invite Anne to Germany and see if she can we can get help for her so I went to Germany but okay. then that did change mm. I met another alcoholic there mm. and we came back I got married he went back to Germany and died yeah. same story same story so actually people started saying that uh, I'm cast. You're cast yeah, so every time I entered the bar the men would run away. I don't want to die. That's what they would tell me. <laughs> every, person, every person who comes into your life dies and it became very very frustrating for me and uh, yeah. this is where now the family started abandoning me. My mom took the children and I became alone. Now the only friend I had was my brother who introduced me to Changa because this time around I didn't have money and I started yeah. living in the slums. Mm. And uh, this is when a family friend came and talked to me, a family friend whom I used to drink with, but who had got checked into rehab. This is the one who came and actually talked to me and brought hope into my life. So um, by this time, we can see that you had hit rock bottom. Yes, I'm, I had. I'm, I'm imagining, you know, as much as we can laugh about what people were saying about you then, I can, I'm trying to go back into time, and I can imagine the Anne Mathu then must have been going through a really tough time um, escaping with alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, by that time, I'm sure you had s some serious dependency on, on the alcohol. And mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about this friend of yours. Um, you said he, w had he been to rehab as well? He had been to rehab. Okay. And actually, uh, what made my mom now reach out to him to come and reach out to me mm -hmm. is because I'd attempted suicide three times. Really? Yes. You know, now when I went yes, into Chang'a, you, yes, you know, all yes, the frustrations yes, yes. that come with, uh, you know, uh, having been a beauty queen, having had a very good life, and here you are drinking Chang'a, no bottom. place to sleep. Mm -hmm. Actually, it was my brother got me a place opposite the Chang'a den. So yeah. I had sold everything. I had practically nothing apart from uh, two slippers of different colors and a very thin mattress. And uh, so, you know, the th after the third time I was hospitalized is when now uh, my mom talked to one of her friends. And, and you know, she told her, no, but my son came from rehab. He's been to rehab, so maybe he, that, that's the right person to reach out to one. And actually, he, he, you know, they try and find out where I was living, and actually they got me. And this is a person who came and gave me hope. This is a person who told me he's been to rehab. Because, you know, there was, you know, the... A kind of perception people have of rehab is like, uh, you know, it's for failures and all that. Yes. And then this, you know, like he comes and tells me, no, and there's life after addiction. Okay. I've been to rehab. Mm. We used to drink together. And here I am. I've trained as an addiction counselor. Mm. I'm working in a treatment facility. Okay. I will work with you. You're still a very, very brilliant girl. Mm. There's a lot of life ahead of you. You can make a very good campaigner. You are very vocal. You're a social person. And I'm telling you, you can... Bring, you can make a change in this nation. Okay. And that gave me a lot of hope. Yes. And actually, that's how I ended up now going to rehab. He worked with me. He took me to Asumbi in Homabe, where I did the three-month program. And after that, he used to come and visit me with my mom okay. all the way to Homabe. Mm. And after that, I worked as a volunteer in Asumbi. Okay, you, you gave back. Yeah, I gave back. Actually, I didn't even know where to go. So I actually talked to a director and I said, listen, I don't have a proper exit plan. So yes. can I work as a volunteer and I still stay at the treatment facility? And they said, okay, fine, just go home for about a month and then come back. So okay. so let me so let me ask um, just a question um, mm -hmm. for me, for our audience. Uh, do, do, 
does that mean that we all have to, you know, because I, I relate to your story, uh, also being a recovering alcoholic, does that mean we all have to get to that point of rock bottom for us to, to make that decision? Because I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure whether to think that rock bottom is different for everyone. Um, do you feel like if that help came earlier, would you have opted to take it? Do you think? Because I think that's as one of my counselors who said some people are brought into rehab too early. So that's that's one of the concerns. I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around it. Do you think that everybody has to get to that point? You don't. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so, because at times if we wait for a person to get to 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 hit rock bottom, they might die in the process. Sure. While you're waiting. Yeah. And then ad actually addiction is the only disease where people say, let's wait and see. Mm. What are you waiting to see? Death? Mm. And then after that, they start putting you in the newspaper and taking you to leave funeral home. Instead yeah. of taking a person to leave funeral home, take them to rehab. At that point. Yeah, at that yeah. point, at yes. That point. And actually the yeah. approach people use, and actually mm. the approach people used uh, on me were very negative and it actually didn't help me. Because all they did was to brand me. Mm a prostitute, a, yes. a failure, a useless mother, you yes. know, mm. all those kind of things. But look at this person who came and brought out the good in me. Yes. If he had brought out the good in me earlier, mm. I would not have gotten to where I got. Yes. I yes, got yes, to, yes, of yes. selling things and living in the slums and drinking changa and drinking all those kind of things. Mm. So if help could have come earlier, I would not have gotten to that stage. That's and that is actually what motivated me even to go public, mm. so that people can know there is a way out. There is life after addiction. Yes. And treatment facilities are not for failures. Mm. They are for the people who are brave enough to say, yes, I have a drinking problem. Yes. And actually, some people never get there. That's why we have to reach out to them and give them hope for them to see the reality that this is a problem. It is a mental health issue. Yes. And um, help is there, readily available. Mm. Yeah. Wow, that's that's very true. Mm. Um, and we are all very grateful, I mean, for the work you're doing. You know, you're a symbol of sobriety. Mm. Um, but before we talk about um, the treatment, um, that last phase of, 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 of your addiction, uh, when you were at the Chang'a dens, let's talk about the loneliness you had. How, how, how was your life? Were you, do you, can you say you were in a state of depression? Did you have any friends then? How did you used to function um, at that particular point? Because it's very important that our, our listeners understand the gravity of what rock bottom can look like. Uh, it's a very lonely phase of anybody's life. And that is why I attempted suicide. Because you are a very lonely, I was a very lonely person among people. Mm. People are around you, but you're a very lonely person. Why? You don't understand yourself. The people around you don't understand you. The people who try to understand you is only the addicts. The addicts will only be your friend when you can also buy. Yes. When you cannot buy, mm. when you don't have the resources to buy, then they are not a friend anymore. Yeah. And that is why we are forced to sell things. That is why drugs and crime will go together because we have to sell things to get money because everybody needs to be accepted. Yeah. So if you ca cannot be accepted at home, you cannot be accepted th that by the society, then you'll do anything to remain accepted in the addiction world. Yes. And that's why you'll sell anything, you'll steal anything. Mm. I was a very bad pickpocket. I would pickpocket anybody and pass on the money to my brother. Okay, and... Um so by this time, of course, you need you were dependent on the alcohol. Let me just mention one or two. How were the withdrawals? You know, because <clears throat> I know that as addicts, you have to support your your substance. You have to buy. You have to purchase the substance of choice because you're dependent. Mm. Literally, we got to learn later because you're sick. Mm. 
So how were these withdrawals like? Um, My withdrawals were terrible. Actually, uh, uh, the last thing that I sold was the lock to my door. It, actually, I didn't even sell it. I went, I took it to the Chang'a den, and then they mm -hmm. gave me a glass of Chang'a. Because this time around, it was so bad that my brother had to feed me Chang'a every morning. And uh, now, feed since you. Feed, you. feed me Chang'a, he would literally come at 6.30, mm -hmm. buy Chang'a, and come and feed me on that mattress because I didn't even have a bed. Mm -hmm. Now, if my brother didn't come early enough, I would start now... The withdrawals would be so bad. Yeah. So I'd be there the whole day on that mattress, vomiting, diarrheaing. But the moment I drink, all mm. that stops. All that stops. Palpitation of the heart. At times, it would feel like the heart will come out through the mouth, mm. sweating and all that, and shakes. And there's actually one time this customer thing, uh, the the alcoholic fits. Mm. Yeah. And this time, one time I even drifted into an alcoholic coma, and I had to be hospitalized in Nairobi Hospital, where my mom had to sell a house to pay for the hospital bills. Wow. Um. Yes, and it, it, you know, we, we see the stigma in society and um, somebody would look at you and point a finger at you and say, oh, now you're Malevi. And, or you find that even addicts, um, they're being locked away, you know, without any medical supervision. And um, I think some of these things can lead to death, you know, some of these withdrawals. Yeah, withdrawals from alcohol, mm. they kill faster than withdrawals from any other drug. And, and uh, people don't seem to understand that. And that's why d uh, medical detoxification is uh, very important, important, a very, very important part of treatment. It's yeah. actually the first part of treatment. Mm -hmm. And uh, locking away an alcoholic in the house or relocating them, you're relocating the problem. Yeah. Locking them in the house, Kusamakweli, doesn't help. doesn't help. The fact that there's no alcohol, and, and as long as you have paint thinner and they're withdrawing, they lose the paint thinner. They'll use jig. They'll use, uh, what do you call, uh, this insecticide sprays. You just spray it on handkerchief and that's it. And you inhale and you'll get high. Cutex remover will make, will make you stabilize for some time. Wet carbon paper. Burnt cockroaches. There are so many things. Alcoholics are, 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 are people with very, very crazy ideas of, of how to get high. Yeah, so t take them. They need professional help. This is a mental health issue. It's a yes. mental disorder that people should not take for granted at all, at all, at all. Wow. So by this time, um, what was the relationship? I mean, you've mentioned your, your mom by this time. Um, had she given up on you? Because you've said she paid for hospital. What was the relationship with your family? Uh, uh, to, it was very strained, mm. but as a mother. Yeah. As a mother, she, has, she, she, she stepped in for me so many times. Mm. So many times I was put in the police. Uh, she would come and bail me out. And uh, actually, I promised myself... That, you know, even when I went to rehab, I'll do this for my mom mm. and my children. Because my mom had suffered a lot. You can imagine losing a husband to alcoholism and then all her children, four children, go into alcoholism. Mm. So I said, I'll help my brothers yeah. and, uh, and uh, my mom as mm. much as I can. Mm. So one of my brothers is, uh, is sober, but I lost my sister. I lost my niece and I lost my brother. To alcoholism. To alcoholism, yes. Wow, so sorry about that. Um, mm. That's a very sad, um, sad story. But there's this light you carry. So you went into rehab. This time you are being kept away from your children. 
Or did you used to not even them? being kept away. Mm. I used to run away from them. Yeah. Because I could not provide. I was not a mother anymore. Yeah. And you know, children will children they are children, they will hug you, irrespective of whether you are an alcoholic or not, you know. Yeah. And that is what stops many people from going from many women from going into treatment. Why? Mm. Because that the on, the only hope is their children. So th if they 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 think of ever being separated from their children, who, because the moment you drift into into the you know the the last stages of addiction, the only people who will never abandon you is your children. That's very true. So mm. you know, with this kind of hopelessness and helplessness, I used to run away from them mm. because I never used to visit them at home. Because what am I giving them? Yeah, they'll come and tell me, "Mommy, what have you brought? I have nothing to offer them." Mm. So. And it is it is it is very sad especially yeah. for mothers yeah and, and children children normally see the pain and actually it affects them it affects them it affects them later mm -hmm. and that's why we actually even now i'm very happy in kenya we have uh, a support group for actual adult children of alcoholics oh okay yeah we do at wow. uh, anderson plaza nairobi okay. hospital wow that's 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 good to know our mm. audience um for anyone who is listening um this is very good information um, because I know many people out there have, have lived with parents who are struggling with alcoholism and it's it's not a pretty sight. Yeah, it know? is not. It's not a pretty sight. So you went into Asumbi and you got, you went, you did three months and then you offered them, you offered to work with them. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about your, your journey after that. Um, let's talk about the, your cravings and um, triggers. Uh, how did you used to handle that? Mm, mm, it wasn't easy when I went to to the first two weeks. It yes. wasn't easy because of the withdrawals and the cravings and mm. all that. And actually, that time we never used to get uh, any medical detox. Mm. So, tulikuwa tunapewa uji. Uji mkini imechacha kama busa. So, that was the detox. It, it helped a lot because within one month, you had added on weight and yeah. uh, all that. But... Um, I had a very good therapist and I was able to identify my triggers when I was still in the rehab. Okay. And we were able to sit and talk about how I will deal with them. And one of my triggers is anger. Mm. And um, so I went through anger management. Okay. And so, you know, uh, ways of dealing with anger. So yes. step away. One, one, one of the first things that I do is to step away from there. Uh, stressful situations, yes. stress, uh, stressors. Uh, Just yes. walk away from them. The call, yeah, call somebody in recovery. Mm. And usually, I call the person who took me to rehab and said, "This is what I'm going through." Okay. I also keep in touch with my with with my therapist. Eighteen years down the line, we still talk. Wow, that's yeah. that's a relationship that yeah. has to be kept. Mm. And then I have a, a group of friends. My friends are, are all people in recovery, people who don't drink. Mm. So that uh, the fact that I don't drink doesn't make me antisocial. So we still yes. go to weddings, to parties, mm. yes. but with a lot of support around me. So um, even with that, um, do, you, do you recollect or do you, was there a time you had a lapse or a relapse? Do you, did you, or if not, um, did you ever get close to that? Um, post treatment, yeah, uh, I never, I never lapsed or I've never touched a drop of alcohol, wow. but I actually nearly relapsed one time yes. because of work related stress. And uh, actually, I opted to resign other than lose my sobriety. It was a well paying job, but uh, I decided to resign. Oh, my sobriety is more important, more important than anything else, more important, yeah. I think that's one of the things that um, anybody who is in recovery needs to... Yeah, you don't have to cling on to that job and lose your sobriety. 
Yeah. No. Walk away, walk away from the stressful situation. Keep your sobriety. And uh, f- uh, since I, I resigned, now it's been uh, 13 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just doing my own stuff. I started a, a, a program. Uh, I registered a CBO called Sober Again Outreach Programs. Okay. So I've been doing talks at the workplace, in mm-hmm. schools, in churches. Yes. And there I get some small money and I'm able to take care of myself. And it, it's fulfilling. Oh, yes, it people. is. It is, especially when you see, uh, when you rescue a person, mm. watch them walk into a rehab, mm. watch them walk out sober, walking with their head high, yeah. with chin level to the ground. They yes. have a spring in their step. It's <laughs> awesome. So you're basically doing what you hoped somebody would have done for you. For me, yes. And that's the reason I went public. Okay. Yeah, for people to know that there is hope. Wow, amazing. So let's talk about now post-addiction. Um, how, how are things with your family um, down the line after you left rehab? How are things now? I made amends with my mom. I made amends with my children. I made amends with every at least actually I couldn't even remember the people I had harmed. Mm. So what uh, especially within the family, mm. extended family. Yes. So what we did is to bring to do a family get together, and I and I and I just called on everybody whomever had harmed to forgive me. Wow. Yeah, because I without that guilt and shame would have made me relapse. So I wanted to do to deal with that. For my mom, it was one on one. With my mm. children, it was one one on one for every child. And uh, but then for cousins, aunties, we called for a get together, and I apologized to everybody, mm. and told them, you know, I need support from them, and this is what I plan to do. Mm. And actually, I've been able to save a lot of cousins who were drinking, yes. and because of you know my sobriety, mm. some of them have voluntarily gone to, to into treatment. Amazing. So. You swept your side of the garden. Oh, yes, went, I did. And you went and you made amends. Mm. Um, so do you think they all forgive you? Do you, do you think, do some of them still think that you, you're a, a Malavi? Do No, these people, you know, actually, I, I decided I've done my part. Yeah. It's up to you. Whether you forgive me or you don't forgive me, yes. my side is clean. Mm. But some of them, you see, like when you, you get to a family uh, get together, and you talk too much, you see them hugging you. <laughs> they just want to make sure you are sober. <laughs> so they really don't trust us. Trust doesn't come easily. You, you know, for 20 years, we did a lot of damage. So yeah. don't expect that with 18 years, they, they will fully trust you. Yes. Although most of them do. By now. But then when you talk too much again, they'll say, ah, 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 kitu. Let's go Yes. But I don't get offended. Yes. Mm, it's the fears that they have. Okay. It's because they love me. That's yes, why they yes, are, they're yes. full of fears. You're, you're mature enough yes. to understand that. Mm. All right. So let's let's maybe talk about some of the biggest challenges you have faced um, in your journey of, of recovery. What are some of the ja- challenges you have faced? And probably some of the challenges other people are facing out there. And they need to know that they're not alone. One is getting a job. It's not easy to get a job. Yeah. Because you see, like, uh, there's always that gap of about 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. So your CV is blank. Yeah. So what are you going to say? I was drinking for all those 15 years. I have very good experience in <laughs> alcohol drinking. <laughs> this is what, what actually makes people get out of rehab and not get jobs. Yeah. And that's why you'll find most of the people in recovery work in rehabilitation centers mm. where they're actually understood mm. and where they're actually embraced, where nobody will not go into details as to where were you in the last 15 years. Yeah. You've given them your story. They understand you. They want to support you. Mm. Other than a person who will keep on, you know, uh, interrogating you. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. After that, what happened? Mm. 
So every other time you do something at the workplace, it's 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 linked. It's linked to your drinking. And vile hujapona because In fact, there's one people. There's one person who told me, "Uya likufa kitambo tunagochaga anguketuzike." So, you know, another one told me, "You attempted to commit suicide when the weapon was mkataliwa pakana shaitani." Even Shaitan cannot accept you in hell because you go and spoil his people. <laughs> so you can imagine those guys. It was, it was terrible. Wow. Addiction world is a terrible world. Okay. Thanks so much, Anne. Um, maybe as we are, we are coming towards the close of, um, of this episode, um, it would be good to, to hear a few things from you to encourage the audience. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe number one, to the suffering addict. Number two, to the loved, the support system of, 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 of those in recovery. And number three, the one who has gone, who has done, gone through treatment, but feels like he's hopeless. Mm. Yeah. Okay, for the addict who still suffers, there is life after addiction. Uh, don't give up. Uh, I know it's not easy, but we are there for you. Uh, join a support group, AA meetings, and AA support groups are all over. Yes. In Nairobi, in in different parts of the country. Mm. And uh, if you're not able to get one, uh, maybe I can give the Nakada helpline. Okay. Uh, that do. is 1192. Mm. It is toll free from either Safaricom or any 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 network. Just call. First of all, you'll get uh, counseling mm. over the telephone, mm. and then they refer you to a support group that is closest to you. Okay. Join that support group. Uh, meanwhile, when you get try and get uh, a treatment facility, because there you'll get a lot of support and you'll get a sponsor. Yes. A sponsor is a person who will work with you mm -hmm. in your journey. A person who will encourage you. A person yes. who will step into your world and work out with you. Fantastic. And uh, for the family members, yeah. kindly support this. Uh, your loved ones. They are not the worst people in the world. There's no way we can do without them. I had another lady say, telling the son, simply because the son is, a, now you become a shakahora. Shakahora ni a makenzi buwana. So stop calling addicts a shakahora and all those kind of, you know, yes. they're branded all sorts of things. Yeah. So these people are sick, they need help, they need a lot of support. If I didn't get that support from my mom, I wouldn't be sober today. But my mom came for family therapy kindly when you invited to the treatment facility for family therapy. Yes. Make sure you attend those sessions. And the most important one is the last session, which is the exit planning. Yes. So that you come up with a plan of what happens to this person after discharge. If you don't come up with a well-structured exit plan, you, chances of uh, relapse are very high. 90% of the relapses are caused by family members. Lack of support. When the person comes from home, the first thing you do is to remind them of all the things that they did. Let this person make amends with you. Yeah. That's what the, the, the program instructs us to do. If you've not done so in the rehab, Kitoka, make amends with your loved ones. This do, don't take them back to the addiction world. What they did or what they do not do. This is a new beginning. Exactly. Work with them. Exactly. Yeah. For that person who is out of rehab, you haven't gotten a job yet, join a support group. This support group, uh, you'll find doctors, you'll find lawyers, you'll find... And actually, you can get a job there. Surprisingly, yes. Yeah, you can. You can. Mm -hmm. you can. You need to be we've, we've seen because addiction cuts across the the board. You yes, know, we have doctors, yes. it's we no have respect of yeah, person. it's a respect of none, no one. Mm. So uh, you, maybe you're a medic, mm. 
you go to a support group and you find another medic. Mm. Maybe he has a clinic, he doesn't have someone to work with. Yeah. Yeah. So support groups, are, you know, the AANA, mm. and also there is another one, the SA, Sex Anonymous Support Group, yes. also with mm. people with sex addiction. Yes. Because yes, that's yes. a very hidden addiction. And actually, you'll find most people in rehab, not because they, they have a drinking problem or a drug problem. They're trying to escape from sex addiction. That's because true. Ad, uh, alcohol is actually easily accepted, mm. alcoholism. Yes. So they will go into, tre into rehab, not because their primary problem is it's actually alcohol. alcoholism, mm. but sex, mm. gambling, yes. all those kind of uh, process addiction or non-substance addictions. Wow, thank you for that. Um, so, I mean, it's very important that we we mentioned that some of the positive things or one of the great highlights of this is that you know you are now the vice chair of nakada mm -hmm. uh, maybe you'd want to say one or two things in or maybe briefly on what sort of impact you'd want to to make to um, assist you know demystify alcoholism or just help the nation of kenya because we're really struggling with an issue of substance use disorder yeah one is to destigmatize uh, addiction and uh, that will i hope we are going to do through public education um having more and more uh, real life uh, uh, resource persons yes you know coming out people coming out boldly and talking about you know their experiences mm. so that the person who is watching the person who is listening yes. and has a drinking problem doesn't think they are alone because actually uh, there's one time I was on citizen tv and uh, a guy called me after the show a, a lady called me after the show and said i'm calling on behalf of my brother because my brother i called in my brother when you were talking and my brother started weeping you know, as you talked, mm. how I attempted suicide. Mm. His brother had just come out from buying rat poison and he had the right poison mm. inside his pocket. Yes. And he just told the sister, this is what I had. Yes. I was going to commit suicide. Mm. Kindly take me to where this lady is. Mm. And they called me that time I was working in Asumbi Karen and I told them, bring, them, bring him a sap. Even if he doesn't have money, look for the money later. Mm. But bring him. I walked with him. Today he's a pastor. Amazing. Out of that television show. Amazing. Yeah. And they normally say that uh, you'll never find a, a, a stupid person in rehab. It's no, 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 no. It's no. brilliant people. They are brilliant people, very, people with very high IQ, uh, very high IQ. Um, and also, they are social people. Mm. Have you ever gone to a hotel and you to let around your chai? No. They actually say, give me my bill. Everybody is yes. about me, myself, and I. Yes, but yes. go to the club and then let around, let in Guinea, let to leave you. So actually, uh, even in sobriety, we are still very, very social people. Yes, yes, and, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Thanks, thanks so much, Anne, for, mm. for giving us time. You have a very busy schedule. Mm. And thank you for uh, just, just allowing yourself to come onto our podcast and be vulnerable and share your story. Mm. And hopefully, you know, our, our main objective here is to give hope out there, mm. share as many stories as possible, mm -hmm. so people who are suffering um, can know they are not alone. Yeah, they can know they are not alone, yes. and there is hope, yes. there is life after addiction. Beyond Fantastic. addiction, there is life. Fantastic. Mm. Thank you so much, Anne, for joining. Asante sana. Thank you. Um, mm. we, we will keep engaging. Mm. We'll keep engaging over time. Maybe another time we'll call you in for another discussion. Asante sana. All right. Okay, for those who've been listening to me, Form Nikuri Form. Thank you. You have had it. Form Nikuri Form. Mm. Thank you so much. Asante. Yes,